Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie Terry. Yay. Hey guys, we're back for episode 25. Wow. We're almost to 100 episodes. We're a quarter of the way to 100. Okay, so like a really popular successful podcast let's let's say like my favorite murderer joe rogan okay how many episodes does a podcast like that have my favorite murderer i think is probably on like god 300 or something because most podcasts put out an episode every single week Mm -hmm. and then we only do three weeks out of the month which sometimes is the whole month and other times. Hey, three weeks out of the month is hey, a lot. Hey, I think lot. it's a lot. That's yeah. <laughs> basically once a week. Yeah. And then one, one time week to, off to for... throw up and be sad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that's like an only three episodes. We're doing fine. Yeah. Also, last week, you guys, we had James Allen McCune on the podcast, as Yay. you guys know. Yeah. He did great. Natalia did great. Thanks. I like haven't been able to get that story out of my head for the past week. I couldn't stop thinking about it as soon as I started researching it. I'm trying to think, do you have any personal haunted stories? I don't really have anything right now. Personal haunted story. I got really drunk last night and then woke up really hungover. That's like a personal haunting, but also a personal problem because I did it to myself. (laughs) It's like self-haunting. Well, I guess, yeah, I literally could not sleep last night. I woke up again at three and I just couldn't sleep. So I was just looking at all the new stuff on Amazon. They took all the stuff that they've already had on there and then they've just taken better pictures of it and it's supposed to be like their Christmas gift listing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is kind of sad that I literally like recognize that they did different <laughs> photo shoots for Amazon items because I you're like I know these items these aren't the hot new deals this is just stuff that you're trying to get rid of right exactly yeah. <laughs> I was like just because you take this pair of shoes that wasn't selling and then you put it on like a little stool with a bow next to it doesn't mean I don't know right what it was before well we've caught them in a lie this is the new conspiracy episode about Amazon yeah honestly I feel like most big companies in the U.S. probably could have their own episode dedicated to some conspiracy revolving around them. Here's something interesting. Did you get an email from Spotify that was offering you a free Google Home Mini? No. So I thought this was a scam. It wasn't because I Googled it. But Spotify is offering a percentage of their customers a one-time use code that gives you a full discount on a Google Home Mini. And so I Googled it because I was like, this is for sure a scam. Right. right? Yeah. And it's not a scam. They are trying to compete with their main competitor, which is Alexa. So they're just flooding the market with their product, too, before everyone gets an Alexa. Well, supposedly you're not supposed to buy Alexa because she listens to you 24-7, even if she's not on or something. Who's so fucking stupid that they didn't know that? I don't know. Because the whole thing is like, well, you, but you Google, say a voice I guess. Command. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So How she has to be. How could you not know that? Yeah. So she has to be listening constantly because. Yeah, because she's waiting for you to say Alexa. Right, yeah. exactly. So now, actually, because of that lawsuit or whatever that you're talking about, on the Alexa products, it says, oh, you can go through and delete voice recordings and they're completely private if you want. Like, I, I guess the good thing about stuff like that is maybe there will be a lot less unsolved crimes because it's like, let's yeah. check his Fitbit. Let's check right, his, know. you know, let's check his Google recordings. On, yeah. The thing is, is too, is our homeland security by law the government can do whatever they want they can listen in through our phones right now they can listen in through whatever means they want as long as they have a probable cause to we all voted on this guys we said it was fine so like i don't know why people are complaining in the first place right yeah like we've already known that this is a thing that can be done with or without an alexa yeah exactly and i you know what it's so funny you mentioned that because i was listening to some true crime podcasts a few 
months ago and it was a story about like a family conspiracy where they had murdered someone and the FBI got involved and they were trying to prove that this family had conspired to murder this person and they did wiretapping and they just like they literally have every and it's not even on just home phones it's like cell phones it's everything and they have all these recordings and they declassified them so you can hear it and it's like it's crazy to think like you think that oh I'm on my cell phone in the middle of a fucking forest there's no way anyone can hear me right now like yeah they can yeah if you truly truly want to get away with murder you have to leave your phone somewhere else too you can't bring it with you because it's going to ping a satellite although sometimes then that looks suspicious because it's if you're someone like me and i'm on my phone constantly i feel like then they're like oh during this convenient window that the of two hours that the murder occurred her phone is turned off when it's never been off for the past 10 years it's gotta be like this you're at a bar or you're at you know the gym or whatever and you conveniently leave your bag oh nice or you leave your phone at the bar right well and also i guess my phone battery is so shitty now that it does just die randomly and then if i'm out and i don't have access to a charger it would be off or you say it was stolen people get drunk and they crash their car all the time and then they just like walk away and then like, oh yeah my car got stolen yeah not sure what happened yeah. yeah just throw my phone into the ocean and then go commit a crime yeah as long as there's no surveillance cameras that catch me throwing it into the ocean i would think that it was really easy to catch a murderer these days right right but it's not as easy as you would think it is because the way that at least in the united states our judicial system is set up in a way that makes it very very hard to convict someone who's innocent obviously that doesn't always work we have people who end up going to jail for a crime that they didn't commit but the reason you have to have evidence and the reason you have to have testimony and the reason you have to have a body and all of this is because they don't want it to be like a witch hunt like i feel like you probably did this because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and you're weird it is interesting that like there's so many murders that are that go unsolved that never get brought to trial but then like you're saying they there's like some guy that was was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets convicted for something he didn't do i don't know i watch so many crime shows to, think, and it's yeah, like i think it truly has to do with your lawyer yeah you need somebody who like you can't have a public defender yeah i think that's don't. what we've learned yeah. from all of our research is don't get a public defender go into debt take out a really ill-advised loan for half a million dollars and spend it on a good attorney because let's say you do get convicted anyway and you're in prison for life well you don't have to repay that loan. Like, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the, the silver lining? Yeah. That? Very nice. Yeah. You don't have to pay any of your student loans. Just go get your master's degree. Murder somebody. Yeah. And there you go. Loan forgiveness. That's my backup plan yeah. for life. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've always said, like, I feel like going to jail would help me. Yeah. That's and- true. That's confirmed now. Yeah, you don't have to pay off your credit card debt if you're in jail. File for bankruptcy. I don't give a fuck. I'm not buying a house. I'm in there for life. (laughs) Man, I've almost paid off all my credit card debt, and it's all about to just go right back on. Why? Well, remember I was airbnb I was like sleeping in my car, sleeping on couches, whatever, hustling, have my, you know, my other Instagram account. Like, I am like doing whatever it takes, riding a fucking bike and stuff. Yeah. So I paid off all of that down, but now I want to get this really cool computer that's gonna help us edit vlog stuff too yeah yeah because my laptop and these numbers don't really matter to anyone who's not like a fucking nerd i have a laptop from 2014 that has four cpu it has less memory on it than my phone yeah (laughs) 
I believe that. Yeah, so I'm editing 4K videos. Everything's crashing all the time. It's just like everything's messed up. I haven't had a desktop since... I've never had a desktop. The only last time I had a desktop was when I was like a child playing The Sims with my right, family. Yeah, like computer. a family home computer that yeah. every house had. So I'm like, okay, I need this like really cool desktop. I'm going to switch over from Mac to Windows. It's called like the Microsoft Studio 2 and it's notoriously expensive, but there's nothing else on the market that's like it. It literally, the screen is a touch screen. It's 28 inches long, so you can draw on it. You can do whatever the fuck you want on it. And then it lays down flat like a tablet. Yeah, you sent me a picture of it. That's why I thought like it was portable or something. No, when you, well, yeah. yeah, I guess it could be. It's literally so cool. I don't, I can't it can do so it. much. It's inspiring. And I think that, you know, we don't really make money on this podcast. We just do it because it's fun, right? If I'm going to spend money on something that inspires me to work harder and to teach myself more skills and when it comes to editing and creating content, then I think it's totally worth it. Yeah, you're. it's like you're investing in yourself and your future yeah, by investi- making this purchase. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm trying not to have a panic attack by putting all that <laughs> money back onto the credit card, but I'm just like... You know what? Just the hustle. It keeps going. The stakes get higher. You got to spend money to make money. Or sometimes you just spend money and don't make money. But you, you just know keep what? spending yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just keep accumulating debt until you die or murder someone and then don't Go have to, to pay back your credit card debt. Yeah. Case closed. Yeah. Case closed. Or take out like a huge life insurance policy. I feel like that's why so many people get murdered is because someone will take out a life insurance yeah. policy on them and mm-hmm. then they kill them to collect the insurance payout. Yeah, that's I will never have life insurance. Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> well, uh, the story that I'm telling you today, uh, something I found this article and I really want to talk about it, but it's like not related to the story at all. Did you know that scientists this year are trying to prove that a parallel universe exists and they're trying to get to it? There's these scientists, I want to say in like Kentucky or something, and they have like this whole facility where they're all they're doing all day, all year is trying to break through to a parallel universe. And like that is so fucking cool. Are they not scared? I don't know. I Sometimes I feel like scientists like don't just don't give a fuck they're like you know what if i make this discovery and it turns out to not kill us all then i'll get a nobel prize yeah yeah they're just kind of like oh yeah find a parallel universe like sure yeah give me my million dollar grant yeah. <laughs> i'll work on this for a year god i and hope they that they get, find like, it fucking rick and morty into another dimension and then yeah. we never know about it yeah yeah and then i found this other story online about this guy that went missing in the middle of the desert i think in utah or something he was a vlogger and he was uploading vlogs of all of his trips that he did through the desert and he used to do solo hiking for days at a time like camping out there and stuff in his last video he's talking Talking about the M cave is what it's called. And he found this cave in the middle of the desert shaped like an M, but it was like nightfall was coming. And so he didn't have time to explore it. He had to like hike to this different area. And so on his vlog, he's talking about it and he's like, my camera was dead. I didn't get to film it, but like it was this crazy like cave. Like I'd never seen it before. Like next time I'm going to make sure that I go out there specifically just to look at the M cave. And then the next time he went out there, he disappeared. Nobody's ever found him, never found his body, nothing. So never found the M cave, never found the M cave cave and all these people went out trying to find the m cave because they know like the path he took because it's like a hiking path this guy went out there and filmed and he thinks that it was like an old like you know there's all these bunkers in the middle of the desert from like when atomic bomb like studies and stuff this guy thinks that the they put a fake rock face over the entrance and he's filming what he thinks is the fake rock entrance it's like you can see seams no yeah I'm scared. I know. 
but it's not long and it's like that's all there is to it like that explanation i just gave that's all there is to it so we can't spend an hour and a half on it unless we go there i think i cracked this case okay say it what if he was dyslexic it was actually the wk and he went to wombo (laughs) (laughs) and so everyone's trying to find this m cave and they're just you know walking right past the wk oh yeah i think you have solved wombo from spongebob yeah (laughs) yeah deep cuts here yeah all right so anyway now i'm going to tell you this story um now that i've wasted everyone's time with two things that are completely unrelated people are like just getting to work right now and they're like fucking goddamn yeah god damn it why does this podcast have the longest intro known to man yeah it's because it, you guys love one it day it's gonna get monetized and this extra 30 minutes is gonna make us more money you guys right you never know we got a new review on itunes the other day it was four out of five stars she knocked down a star because she said our intros we talk too much about our personal lives i could agree with that yeah but like that's the whole shtick right is personal hauntings at the beginning and then oh oh, oh my dog hi Wait, little, little foot. foot hey steven and hi. little foot oh my gosh hi. i haven't seen little foot in such a long time oh hi, hi little, little guy foot. are you staying here uh, as long as he doesn't bark, that's fine. Oh, no, this is uh, a little this foot. Stop him from barking. Okay, okay, Archer's in the backyard, just oh, so you're aware. Yeah, go hang out with him. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Littlefoot. Hi, buddy. Littlefoot is very distrusting of me, too. I, like, touch him, and the <laughs> just the happiness goes out of his eyes. Like, the light, like, just quits shining as soon as I touch him. Well, Littlefoot, now that you're here, little buddy, I can maybe scare you. This story is kind of scary, but mostly just, like ridiculous so this is another story from the 1700s in the u.s so you know that it's related to ghosts (laughs) i just realized hold on can we just backtrack for a second so this girl took a star off permanently because we talked too much about our personal lives in the beginning yeah she gave us four out of five stars look i'm assuming it was a girl because the name for it says I'm a 16-year-old girl. But then I was like, I guess it could be funny. Like, maybe it's a guy. I feel like it's not a 16-year-old girl then. He or she wrote on there, good for casual listening as long as you don't mind listening to the hosts talk about their personal lives. But why minus a star? Because we talk about our personal lives. Like, oh, it's only good for casual listening if you don't mind that they talk about their personal lives. Hmm. I don't know, guys. Let us know. Do you not like when we... Yeah, just skip ahead to the 20-minute mark. We could just start at the beginning of the story, but we need this time in order to not have ADHD while we're telling the story. Because otherwise, I'm just going to be like, hey, cool hat, Alyssa. When did you get that? Oh, what are we doing here? Oh, Stephen's room has changed. Before we started recording with Jamie last week, he said something really smart which is nobody forgets that they're being recorded until about the 20 minute mark anyway and also we want to thank our donors we want to like talk about different things going on in our lives because we do have some people that care about that kind of stuff if you guys hate it i guess tell us yeah let us know i don't want to lose my chance at podcast fame and stardom just because i decided to tell you guys i'm in a good mood one day so now i'm going to tell you this story all right so this story takes place in the 1700s so you know it's about a goddamn ghost yeah all right main character John Bell. John Bell was born in Edgecombe County, North Carolina in 1750. He apprenticed as a cooper, but later decided to take up agriculture as his trade. Sidebar, do you know what a cooper is? Because I didn't. Wait, is it a cobbler? No, but it's, wait, no, that's no, 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 wait, 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 let me guess. It's someone who makes barrels. Yes. Yep. Okay. So coopers were tradesmen who made casks, buckets, barrels, and containers for flour, gunpowder, tobacco, shipping, wine milk and other liquids back to the story so (laughs) i was just like reading it and i was like what the fuck is a cooper i don't don't know know. why i knew that yeah that's really impressive maybe you in a previous life were a cooper 
Okay, back to the story. So John Bell used to make barrels, didn't like it, decided he wants to become a farmer, starts farming. Mm -hmm. So in 1782, at the age of 32, he marries a 12-year-old girl named Lucy Williams. Was that like a normal thing then? No, I don't know, but I don't think so. Was it like a romantic marriage or was this like a political thing so uh the only thing i could find about their relationship was that they met at church and she was from a really wealthy family and then he was like a super successful farmer and was just like i want your 12 year old daughter and so they were like yeah he was 32 yeah. she was 12 <laughs> yeah. first of all it's bad when it's a teenager and an older guy but at least you could make the argument this which is a terrible argument they're in the process of going through puberty at least when you're a 12 yeah. year old girl you barely you don't look like anything 12 year old boys and, and 12 do, year old girls the most, look the same you're the most popular girl in school yeah like the one girl with tits in middle school yeah all right so 1782 at the age of 32 he marries a 12 year old girl named lucy williams and moved her into a home he had built on a 300 123 acre farm he was running that's fucking huge yeah the bells had their first child a son named jesse in 1790 when lucy was 20 so at least they waited to have a kid until she was 20 hey that's great that's yeah the best small news victories I've had so far but here's the thing perhaps she didn't have a child earlier because she had not gone through puberty yet and could not bear a child i try to keep an open mind about these things but i'm just kind of like <sighs> I'm not going to say anything. Nothing There's I could possibly say is going to turn out good. No, I've already said some things that were questionable. <laughs> so they became successful farmers and had several other children along the way. Their names of their children were Elizabeth, a.k.a. Betsy, Richard, John Jr., Drury, Benjamin, and Jesse. The farm had rows of cotton, corn, and tobacco, and the Bells had several mules, cows, and hogs. In 1801, their farm started declining, and they began having issues with their crops, so they decided to sell the farm and move. In the winter of 1804, to 1805, John Bell and his family, along with a slave named Chloe, who had been given to them by Lucy's father when they got married, along with Chloe's eight children, embarked on a journey over the treacherous mountains of North Carolina and East Tennessee that took them to an area called the Barren Plains, settling in the northwest section of present-day Robertson County, Tennessee. There in Tennessee, John bought a 220-acre parcel of land that included a log home with six bedrooms, two barns, and a pear orchard. So these people are very wealthy. Yes. Because that, even by today's standards, That's is... crazy. Yeah. yeah. The home also had a water well about 100 yards north of the house and an area for a family cemetery atop a cedar-covered hill about 300 yards to the northwest. Several large fields had been cleared, beyond which there were dense forests that flourished with wild plants, deer, rabbits, and other animals. This place sounds so cool. I, I know. Go I want to live there, too. Yeah. So John began farming again and the farm was soon flourishing, and the Bells gained prominence within the community. With John's success, he soon was able to acquire more land in the area and expand his farm even further, turning him into one of the wealthiest residents in his community. For a time, everything seemed perfect. Then, a series of strange events on the Bell farm began. One day in 1817, John Bell was walking through one of his cornfields when he came upon a strange-looking animal standing in a corn row. Its body was unmistakably that of a dog, but the head was that of a rabbit, and it had bright green glowing eyes. Skinwalker? I don't know. What? John had never seen anything like it and stopped in his tracks. John and the animal stared at each other in silence. 
unmoving for several minutes. The animal seemed evil, like it was giving John a disapproving look. After the initial shock wore off, John loaded his shotgun that he had slung across his back and fired at the creature. John, who was a talented marksman who rarely missed a shot, said that the bullet seemed to curve around the creature, leaving it unharmed. The creature then ran off through the cornfield. John chased after the animal, looking through every row of corn, but found nothing, not even a track. So it was a dog with a rabbit's head. Yes. Like, the thing that came to my mind was, I was like, a jackalope? But yeah. that's not what a jackalope, because the jackalope has the antlers. Right. Then I was Googling, I was like, is this, like, what is this? And I really couldn't find anything, like, I couldn't find a name for yeah. a half dog, half rabbit. But I did find a bunch of information about, like, bad omens and stuff often yeah. come in the form of a hybrid animal that oh. you can't put your finger on what it is. Yeah. So maybe this is a bad omen. But Bell decides, because he's like a normal dude, well, normal except for he married a 12-year-old when he was 32. But besides that, he's like pretty normal, I guess. And so he decides that this is probably just nothing more than like a sinister-looking mixed-breed dog that had like big ears or something. Or like a really ugly rabbit. Right. And so he thought nothing more of the incident until one evening about a week later when two of his children, Betsy and Drury, mentioned having seen a very old woman walking into the pear orchard no. and disappearing into thin air. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't like it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no. So upon hearing this, John tells his two children that they probably just have overactive imaginations. A woman didn't materialize and then dematerialize in front of them. It was probably just a new neighbor that had accidentally wandered onto the property because during this time, okay, a lot of people still, are moving there. that's not great. You have an old lady neighbor that's like just going into your maze Right, like creepily days. like yeah. walking around and then seemingly disappearing into we thin air. no unaccounted old ladies in my yard. Thank you very much. I will put up a sign and a fence that says no old women allowed. <laughs> so he says like you guys probably just have overactive of imaginations it's definitely a neighbor like fuck off right so the, <laughs> the next evening john's daughter betsy came inside the house at dinner time and told her father that she had seen a little girl in a green dress with no face no swinging no. from a rope swing in the trees no god oh daddy i saw a little girl with, with no, no face. face wearing a green dress on a rope swing so john says betsy take me to where you saw this little girl. So Betsy takes him through the woods to the spot where she said she saw the little girl. But when they reach the spot, of course, there's nothing in sight. There's not even a swing. So uh, this ghost thing just even made up the swing. Yeah, like the swing is part of the apparition. Yeah. But John is a non-believer. He's a very religious man. And so he actually reprimands Betsy and says, telling lies is against the teachings of God. I don't want you to ever do that again. But then the next night... John's son, Drury, walked into the home and exclaimed, Father, you won't ever guess what I just saw. It was the largest bird I've ever seen, sitting right on the fence out by the lane. I thought it was a wild turkey, so I fetched my gun, but it flew away as soon as I aimed at it. I watched it for a good distance, and I swear it was either the world's largest turkey or some type of big ancient bird. Again, John told his son that his imagination was running wild and that he had probably seen an eagle, not a turkey, which to me makes no sense because is an eagle really bigger than a turkey? So you're probably thinking of the turkey that we see, like, in the movies. He's got all his, like, feathers yeah. up. And he's like, wah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild turkey 
it just looks like all of his feathers are down. Oh, okay. So okay. it almost just looks like just a regular bird that has a really long tail. Okay, so then that makes more but sense. But an eagle would be bigger. I don't think a child who's, you know, grown up in the wilderness would mistake an eagle for... I don't think so either. But so John is like... Again, your imagination is running wild. I don't know what's gotten into you. Like maybe his he's thinking like maybe my kids aren't adjusting to the move very well because they just like got up and moved. It's a or old woman flying the, in the sky. Mm, could be. Could be some sort of spirit. And so he says, yeah, you saw an eagle. Fuck off. Um, and then <laughs> during that conversation, one of the Bell's house slaves, trigger warning, this takes place in the 1700s in America. One of the Bell's house slaves, whose name was Phyllis, said that she had overheard her brother, Dean, speak of a large black dog that followed him wherever he went, and particularly whenever he visited his wife each night. So why are there so many fucking animals on this farm? I know. So Dean, who's also a house slave, he is married to the neighbor's house slave. And so he goes to visit her after work every day, work in quotation marks, because I don't think he's being paid, obviously. What he will do is he'll walk along the 300 acre farm and this dog he says will pop out of the bushes in the same place each night and follow him to the gun property which is where his wife is and then the dog will vanish as soon as he gets to the property line each night he's like stalking him yeah so or so, and it or like can't, can't go past yeah, that property can't. line they're stuck. Yeah. Yeah, all these creatures are stuck. Right. So you think at this point, John would be like, maybe this is too many people to like that are experiencing weird things. Like maybe I shouldn't tell everyone to fuck off. You mentioned in the beginning and I didn't say anything about it because I didn't know what was going to happen. But you said there was space for a cemetery on this property. There is. Does that mean there's already graves on this cemetery? So they had asked for a place to be cleared before they moved there that they would in the future be able to be buried on because people back in olden times used to like to be buried on their property which i think is creepy but apparently that was like a comforting thing for people back in the day okay so again john says i don't believe your story dean's imagination is getting the best of him even though dean is a grown man Several weeks later, the bells begin hearing faint knocking sounds on the door outside of the walls of their house after dark. John was convinced that someone in the town was playing a prank on him, and he and his sons would immediately rush outside whenever they heard the noises, hoping to catch the culprit. They kept up this routine night after night, always returning frustrated and with no explanations. Each night, the knocking sounds grew louder and louder until they culminated in loud booming noises that made sleeping impossible. Then, one night, after weeks of the loud booming noises, the house fell quiet. The bells were relieved and thought finally they would be getting a good night's sleep when suddenly, quietly, there was a knock from inside the house. The bells ran around the home terrified, looking for an intruder, but there was nobody. The knocks continued all night. The next night, the Bell children were awoken in the middle of the night to noises that sounded like rats gnawing at their bedposts. The noises would temporarily stop when a candle was lit, but would immediately start up again as soon as the candle was blown out. After these noises had been heard in the home for about a week, the children began to feel light jerking at their pillows and tugging no, at their sheets no. as they were about to doze off. Absolutely not. It's fucking no. Because best Move. case scenario, it's a rat. Yes. A rat is pulling at your pillows that and sheets. That probably has the plague because it's the 1700s. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then worst case scenario, it's a scary old woman. Yeah, <laughs> ripping at your sheets. Yes. So when they try to hold on to their sheets or if they try to hide underneath the sheets, the bed sheets would be yanked completely off of the bed, leaving the children freezing and crying in fear. Sometimes when trying to resist this unknown force pulling at their sheets, the Bell children were slapped in their faces by a seemingly invisible hand. (laughs) These kids just like can't catch a break. What's the dad going to say about this now? The point that I'm trying to make real quick is that the harder they try to resist the mysterious force, the worse it gets, right? Like the more violent it seems to get. Like if they don't try to hide under the covers, Mm -hmm. then it's just the tugging all night. But the second they try to yank the sheets up over their heads, that's when they get mysteriously pulled off what does it want it just wants you to not be able to sleep like it tugs at your sheets i don't know i don't know yet so these disturbances occurred very late at night sometimes not ending until after three o'clock in the morning when awakened the bells searched every room of the house in hopes of finding a reasonable explanation for the humiliation and torment that was being inflicted upon them by this mysterious entity seemingly at its own will When they searched one room, the noise would begin in another room. When they ran to the other room hoping to find the culprit, the noises ceased and soon started up in yet another room. Over time, the once light gnawing at the bedposts became louder and sounded like a dog grinding its paws into the floor beneath the bed. I don't know what that sounds. I guess like the nails maybe, like scratching. The bells also began hearing the sounds of stones falling and chains being dragged across the floor late at night. Oh my God. Like... No, I would be sleeping at the neighbor's house by this point. Chains? Chains. Chains? Scrooge McDuck yeah. or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. I only know the... I know what you're talking yeah. about. A Christmas story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, no, not a Christmas no, story. No, night before Christmas. Oh, that, no. When the, were he, the ghost of the Christmas past? Yeah, yeah. Christmas but the, future, but the Mickey present. Mouse version where Scrooge oh. is Donald Duck. Yeah. Yeah. And his name is Scrooge McDuck. I feel like I should finish that explanation for anyone that hasn't seen that. <laughs> is that Scrooge McDuck? duck gets visited by ghosts of christmas past and it's like covered in chains and it's like dragging on the floor and it shows him all these visions of fucked up stuff he's done in the past and was like these are all the past christmases how you spent them and it's like all like very sad so these disturbances took not only an emotional toll on the bells as one can imagine but a physical toll as well work on the farm still had to be done which meant rising before daybreak each day since the bells often did not get to sleep until after three o'clock in the morning, they grew tired quickly each morning and the days soon became longer. So they're basically like all of them are only getting like three hours of sleep, two hours of sleep a night. Right. Because there's like chains rattling, stones dropping, your blankets are getting pulled, pulled off. off. There's like dogs pawing. There's like rolling. knocking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like bad news all around. So the bells seldom spoke of the disturbances while working during the day or while having dinner in the evening because their exhaustion and level of emotional stress was beyond anything they had ever experienced. By this time, it was clear in the minds of John and Lucy Bell that the disturbances were the work of an entity that possessed much greater power than their own. So now they think it's so paranormal. So now he believes it. Like okay. now that it's not other people that are experiencing it, it's him too. Yeah. Now he's like, oh, I guess you guys were just right this whole time, but I'm not going to apologize because... It's the 1700s and I'm the man. When the Bells did occasionally speak of the disturbances among themselves, the only possible explanations that came to mind were the acts of the almighty 
or fallout from the New Madrid earthquakes that occurred in West Tennessee several years earlier. So even though he does believe it now, John Bell's still kind of like hoping it's not an entity. So he's like, well, maybe it's aftershocks from this earthquake that happened five years ago, which doesn't make any sense. But I guess by 1700s logic, it does. Now we're fast, fast forwarding. So all this shit's been going on for a couple of months. And it something else happens now so shortly after retiring one evening the entire family was awakened by ear-piercing screams coming from betsy's room when john and lucy bell arrived at their daughter's bedside they found her crying her hair in knots and her face covered in welts john rushed to his daughter's side and begged her to tell him what had happened but betsy was crying so hard that nobody could understand her Her body was very cold and her teeth were chattering so violently that even after she stopped crying, she still couldn't speak. Lucy Bell, her mom, lay beside her while John Bell rubbed her head and repeatedly told her everything was going to be all right. Your mother and I don't have all the answers about why these things are happening, but I promise you in the name of the Lord Almighty that your mother and I will always do everything we can not to let anything bad happen to you. We love you very much, Elizabeth. He then knelt on the floor next to the bed, looked upward, and cried, My God, why? Why is our beloved and innocent daughter Betsy being subjected to such evil and painful torture? What has she done to deserve this? Even a horse thief does not deserve treatment as cruel and sinister as this. Yet with my own eyes, I see it being inflicted on an innocent child barely 12 years of age. Why, dear God, why? I want to pause there. He He recognizes that his daughter. Yes. So he's like, oh, it wasn't weird when I married a child, though. And also, I want to just pause and say horse thief once again is the worst thing you can possibly be in olden times like we said it's just mean you're stealing someone's car that's also their dog exactly like we said in episode 23 so hearing this betsy suddenly stopped shaking turned to john and lucy and said thank you god will see us through this he always does imagine a 12 year old saying that that to me is creepy so my hypothesis is that this little girl she's the devil now Ooh, like possessed or something these kids are saying oh i saw this weird bird and i watched it this other guy's like oh this dog follows me around they're like we saw a little girl swinging in the trees what they're failing to mention is that they had a full conversation with this no face girl in the trees that they were plucking the feathers out of this bird mystical bird yeah this old woman that disappeared playing with the dog or yeah, they, something they like were singing an old choir sing with her i don't know they were doing weird shit yeah so i feel like you have to do weird shit in order for this stuff to happen right like right. it doesn't just happen to you the dad hasn't gotten it because he saw the weird dog bunny rabbit and was just like all right that's i'm gonna forget about that lucy tucks betsy back into bed and she and john leave the room less than a minute later betsy begins screaming again this time when john and lucy rush into the room they find betsy holding her ears tightly with blood dripping from her hands betsy looked up and saw her parents and yelled father did you not hear that and then her father says we didn't hear a thing what did you hear a scream a very loud scream in both of my ears and the pain is unbearable it was louder than anything i've ever heard before please i beg of you stay in here with me for the rest of the night i'm very scared they better do it yeah lucy bell thank god crawled under the covers and spent the rest of the night with elizabeth the next morning betsy's face was covered with welts and bruises and she could barely hear a thing so her two brothers john jr and drury 
comforted and talked with her to help get the events of the previous night off her mind. After these most recent events, it became obvious to the Bells that they were not dealing with the Almighty, but a sinister entity with powers stronger than they could comprehend. After much thought and discussion, the Bells decided to see whether the mysterious entity possessed intelligence. Late one night, they began asking questions that required numbers for answers, <laughs> such as... How many miles to Port Royal? The entity. <laughs> That's what they decide they're going to do yeah. with the spirit? Yes. Stupid. The entity answered the question correctly by rapping on the wall seven times. When asked the question, how many slaves do we own? The entity correctly rapped nine times on a bedpost. From this point on, the Bells considered the entity to be not only an evil being, but an intelligent being as well. From this point in time, they refer to the entity as the spirit. If they're God-fearing people, why don't they call in like a priest to bless their home or something? Don't they know you're not supposed to fuck with the devil? That crosses John Bell's mind, but he fears that he's going to be met with skepticism and scrutiny from the community and the church. And especially because at this point, he had just got accepted into the church. Like he's kind of a big deal in the community because he's so wealthy. Everybody likes him. And he's like, I don't want to go into show my face in church and be like, I'm my house is possessed by a demon. It's haunting my daughter, Betsy. You, you know, you don't want to be that haunted guy. Exactly. You don't want to be that haunted <laughs> guy that married a 12 year old, which is honestly probably why he's being yeah. haunted now that I think about it. So he doesn't want the community to find out that there's a spirit living in his home, quote unquote. And then he was also afraid that if someone came and proved that the encounters were a hoax, then his credibility and his family's credibility would suffer irreparable damage. It was for those reasons that John Bell swore his family to complete secrecy in the matter of the spirit. One morning, Betsy and two of her brothers went on a hike in the woods nearby. It was a beautiful spring morning and they walked towards the Red River where they planned on skipping stones on the river's calm surface. As they approached a large sinkhole near the bluff overlooking the river, all three of the Bell children felt a cold and unwelcome energy wash over them, and the temperature dropped several degrees in a matter of seconds. One of Betsy's brothers turned to her and asked, What's inside that big hole, sister? Oh, God. Pointing to the sinkhole. Betsy answered her brother, explaining that it was a natural cave used for cold storage during the summer to keep food from spoiling. One of her other brothers, Richard, said he really wanted to go inside the cave because he'd never seen it before. As they neared the sinkhole, they noticed something in the distance that appeared to be greenish in color and hanging from a tree. As they moved closer to the green object, they realized it was a young, dark-haired woman in a green dress hanging by her neck from a rope from the limb of an oak tree. Although she was obviously dead, small drops of water were still running down her cheeks as if she were crying. Overcome by fear and the strong power radiating from the lifeless figure, the children stood motionless and speechless as they wanted to leave but no longer had the strength to. The power this figure possessed seemed to sap all of their energy. The cold breeze they had felt just moments before was now completely unbearable, and their faces were as pale as that of the young woman hanging from the tree. Sweating and trembling from head to toe, they once again tried to run and finally succeeded. As they made their way through the woods and toward the house, all three children turned for one last look at the woman. The body was no longer there, and the weather had returned to that wonderful spring day it was only moments earlier. So this spirit, whatever... That apparition that they saw, was it the same as the little girl who was swinging It was like a grown-up version of that little girl that was swinging that, from on the tree. And was crying and, dead. Yes. That's so scary. That is so fucking scary. I'm sorry, I have chills. But let's, yeah, me let's, too. let's recap what they've seen so far. So there is the old woman that disappears in the cornfield. The big bird. The big bird. The dog-rabbit mm -hmm. hybrid. 
Um, there's the dog that follows Dean. Yes. There's also the wrapping in the house, the like chains, chains, the spirit that answers gnawing. questions. Yes, answers questions with knocks. The daughter hears screaming in her ears. Yes. and gets beat up and welts, and her hair gets tangled. A little girl with no face in right, a green swinging. dress swinging on a swing. Then the grown-up version of that little girl with a face hanging from a tree, dead, with mm-hmm. tears rolling down her cheeks. I wonder if the spirit messes with the little girl because the that's the little girl spirit messing with her oh maybe oh that's a good hypothesis so when the kids return home they tell the rest of the family about their encounter with the woman hanging from the oak tree drury mentioned that on several occasions he and some of the farmhands had seen what looked like dirt being thrown at them while on their way from the fields and that they sometimes saw snakes and other animals in places that they wouldn't normally expect to find them. Joel added that while walking past the same oak tree on the way to school, rocks and sticks were often thrown at him and Richard from thickets in the woods. They tried throwing them back into the thickets on several occasions, but the rocks and sticks would simply bounce off and back at them as they resumed their walk. They tried unsuccessfully to find the source of what they considered to be pranks, but became frustrated and gave up after a short time. After the pranks and disturbances had continued for some time, the bells began hearing faint whistling sounds coming from the walls and ceilings of their house. These sounds soon grew into faint whispers that sounded like an old woman crying. No, God, no. (laughs) This is like every nightmare I've ever had rolled into one. This is horrible. This is awful. Unlike most of the disturbances up to that point, the whispers could be heard during the day as well as the night and were no longer confined to the house. The faint whispers seemed to follow the bells everywhere they went and sounded as if something was trying desperately to tell them something that is so scary like now it's everywhere you go someone's just whispering in your ear how would that not drive these people crazy i i mean and they're only getting three hours of sleep a night and they're still working on the farm yeah like i don't know how they're not dead at this point yeah so after dinner one evening John, Lucy, John Jr., and Drury were chatting in the family room when outside the window they saw what looked like candles dancing up and down the dirt road by their house. John, the dad, ran outside, but once on the porch, the lights had disappeared. John walked up and down his property looking for the lights or anyone who might be playing a prank on him, but again, he found nothing. John Bell walked back to the house and rejoined the conversation in the family room. After discussing John Jr. and Drury's upcoming flatboat trip for several minutes, a loud whispering sound filled the room. Much louder than it had been up until this point, the spirit seemed to be trying hard to say something important. What do you want? Is there something you're trying to tell us? asked John Bell. The whispering became louder but remained unintelligible. A cold, strong draft was felt, followed by several pieces of furniture being tossed about the room, as though the spirit had become very angry. John Bell fell to the floor as his chair was kicked out from under him, while Lucy and Drury sat watching in a state of total fear. John Jr.'s reaction was much different, however. Springing from his chair, he exclaimed, "'You are nothing but a demon that was cast out from the depths of hell, here to humiliate our family and torture our father and torture Betsy. If you are so strong and mighty, then leave father and Betsy out of it altogether and torture me instead. I am not a coward, but you are. I know exactly what you are, and you know that I will never be afraid of you. The strong draft and loud whispers stopped when John Jr. finished speaking, and he and Drury put the furniture back in place. Suddenly from upstairs, Betsy could be heard screaming again. Everyone rushed upstairs where they found Betsy cowering in the corner of her room, crying and screaming. Her bed was completely engulfed in flames. (gasps) What? 
Panicking, John ran outside the room to grab a bucket of water to throw on the bed, but as soon as he walked back through the door, the flames disappeared. The bed looked completely untouched. Nothing was burned, and there was no explanation for what any of them had had just seen. Angrily, John screamed out into the room, "'What do you want from us, spirit?' From the walls of Betsy's room, a faint voice that the bells had never heard before whispered, "'Oh, come now, John.' You know what I want. I want to see fear penetrate your mind and erode away your very soul. Then the voice ceased and disappeared. (laughs) Okay, so that is the absolutely scariest thing that something could possibly say. Because it's literally just saying, I want to make you so afraid that you go crazy. Yes, there is nothing scarier than when something is being done for no good reason. Because there's no way to prevent it. And it's saying, this is not going to stop. Like, this is just beginning. I just want you to go fucking insane. So over the next few months, John began having trouble swallowing. He described that his mouth felt as though a stick was lodged sideways inside of it, pushing outward against his cheeks and making it hard for him to control his tongue and jaw muscles. The town doctor visited the Bells many times and administered many different kinds of treatment and medication, but nothing seemed to work. It was said that John Bell occasionally declined neighbors' invitations to dinner because he feared he would have an episode with his tongue and disrupt the meal. On one occasion, he traveled to nearby Cedar Hill to discuss a business matter with Magistrate James Burns and several other important men. Dinner was almost ready by the time they finished their discussion, and Burns asked the men to stay for dinner. All took him up on the offer except John Bell, who remained quiet and stared at the floor before excusing himself and leaving. Bell later went back to see Burns the next morning, explaining the problems with his tongue and jaw and apologizing for his abrupt exit the evening before. More than a year having elapsed since John Bell's fateful day in the cornfield, the disturbances still gained in force and frequency with each day that passed, taking a devastating toll on John Bell and his family. So I now, can't believe they it's a year. Left. I know. It's like you're really that scared you're of like other people's i know like you're literally so concerned with other people thinking you're haunted that you just continue to live there and like suffer through this so while lucy bell had not had any unpleasant encounters with the spirit the emotional strain she endured day in and day out eventually took its toll on her in the form of frequent minor illnesses betsy bell had reached the point where she suffered prolonged spells of unconsciousness and fatigue after being beaten by the spirit betsy was seldom able to see the man that she was engaged to at the time Joshua Gardner because of the bruises, scratches, and welts that frequently covered her face and arms. Had anyone outside the family seen her like this, it would have raised the question of who and why, which was something the Bells had vowed not to discuss outside the family. John Bell's affliction worsened. Only a short time after he was stricken, he became unable to eat without almost choking, and the nervous pressure that started in his jaw affected his entire head. After giving the matter much thought, Bell finally decided that the time had come to share the family secret with his closest friend and neighbor, James Johnston. John Bell visited James Johnston early one morning and told him about the spirit and why he had felt it best to keep it a secret as long as possible. For hours, Johnston listened attentively as Bell tearfully described the painful events that had taken place over the past year. James assured John that he believed him and suggested that he and his wife Jane hold a prayer meeting inside the Bell home and then spend the night there afterward to experience the spirits firsthand. John agreed and James came over that night. 
How are they not scared? I'm kind of wondering if his friend is like, hey, I believe you, but it can't be that bad. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe they're just so hyped up on God, you know? Well, if that like little yeah. boy could get the courage to say, oh, I'm not afraid of you because pick you're on just me. a demon. Yeah. And I believe in God and pick on me then. If he can get that courage. Yeah, I think you're right. If this is very obviously a super religious community where yes. church is very important, maybe this guy who's leading prayer vigils is like, well, I have the power of God on my side. I want to go see what's going on in your home and see if I can take care of it. So that night, James Johnston led the worship at the Bell Home, reading scripture, leading hymns and praying. He prayed fervently for the Bell's deliverance from the mastery of the Maleficent spirit and that its identity and purpose would soon be made known. Not long after everyone retired for the evening, the disturbances commenced. Gnawing, scratching, beating on the walls, pillows being jerked, and other mysterious actions began occurring all throughout the Bell home. It seemed as if the spirit was aware of the Johnston's presence and was putting on a show for them. Despite his and his wife's intense fear, James Johnston listened carefully to the spirit. Hearing the sounds of air being blown and lips smacking together, he decided that the spirit possessed some form of human-like intelligence. Curious about the spirit's ability to communicate, Johnson asked, in the name of the Lord, what or who are you? What do you want and why are you? Who are you? What do you want and why are you here? This question silenced the spirit for a short time. However, the disturbances soon started again and with a much greater force. The Johnstons spent the remainder of the night listening to Betsy scream from being pinched and slapped. <laughs> poor fucking betsy she just wants to marry this guy joshua yeah. she can't ever see him because her dad's like people are gonna think we're beating you yeah. because you have all these welts and scratch marks all over your body her bed's on fire half the right. time she's just in the corner of her room can't sleep crying well i'm glad the ghost did stuff while these johnsons were over the next morning james had a sit-down conversation with john and lucy about what he had experienced the night before he is quoted as saying, we're not dealing with coincidence, movements of the earth, or a prankster here. We are dealing with a demonic spirit, a minion of the devil that possesses intelligence and power that is much greater than our own, just like the Bible talks about. John Bell then responded, but James, you must understand that if someone proves this to be a hoax, my entire family will look like a bunch of fools. And there is the church to consider. The alleged presence of an evil spirit in our home would cast a dark shadow over our family and over our religious convictions, which would get us labeled as outcasts. I don't want that to happen. James responded, John, almighty God is on your side. The first people outside your family who should be told of this spirit are the preachers. The guns and Reverend Fort are devout Christians and men of great courage who always have compassion for their fellow man. Just as Johnston finished talking, a feeble voice filled the room and exclaimed, Oh, sugar mouth is right. The guns and the Reverend Fort are fine Christian men who are very understanding and compassionate. They are among the best men in the land, just as is old Sugarmouth himself. Dead silence filled the room as everyone who heard the voice became wide-eyed and overcome with fear. Holding his Bible high in the air and looking around the room, James Johnston said a prayer. John Bell and James Johnston mounted their horses and quickly rode to the home of Reverend Shug Fort, 
where they told him in painful detail of the disturbances that had been plaguing the Bells for the past year and what Johnston himself witnessed just the night before. Fort listened attentively just as Johnston had the day before. He said a prayer for the Bells' deliverance, then suggested they all go explain the situation to the guns. The three men set out to visit Reverends Thomas and James Gunn. After explaining to the guns what had been taking place in the Bell home, the men joined in prayer. Reverend Fort then said to John Bell, John, regardless of anything bad that may happen to you or your family, Brothers Gunn, James Johnston, and I will always lend you and your family the same type of support, spiritual guidance, and compassion that we would our own families during such a difficult time. And above all, John, remember that the Lord will always be with you. The word soon spread, and after about two weeks, there was nobody in the community who was not well aware of the disturbances going on at the Bell home. Instead of approaching the disturbances with skepticism, most of the Bell neighbors became genuinely concerned about the matter and offered to help in any way they could. Many neighbors began visiting the Bell home, hoping to have an encounter with the spirit to see what all the talk was about. Like, I feel that, though. Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. yeah. If I, I heard like, that... Wait, there's an old lady like, that wait, talks in the wall. Your house is haunted? Wait, yeah, I want to know about it. Spend the night. Yeah. So nearly every neighbor who visited would make it only an hour into the night before running out of the home in fear and never returning. James Johnston's sons, John and Calvin, frequently came to the Bell House themselves to try to engage the spirit in conversation. One evening while visiting the Bells, Calvin Johnston said, What do you use to slap the children? The sounds are loud and high-pitched, and the children say the slaps feel like stings. The spirit replied, Why my hand? What else? After much discussion and pleading from Johnston, the spirit agreed to shake hands with him, provided he agreed not to squeeze or hold its hand. <gasps> Johnston stretched out his arm and felt a soft, delicate hand pressed against his for a few seconds. Then Calvin's brother John begged the spirit to shake hands, to which the spirit quickly responded, No, you only want a chance to catch me. Kneeling on the floor, Johnston pleaded his case once more. Please let me shake your hand. I promise in the name of the Lord that my intentions are sincere. The spirit responded, I know you, old Jack Johnston. You are a grand rascal trying to find me out, and I will not trust you. While the spirit stuck to its word and never let John Johnston shake its hand, Johnston did manage to engage the spirit in many interesting and thought-provoking discussions. On another occasion, the spirit became angry and threatened to kill John Johnston. He noticed the shadow of a long, sharp knife above his head while walking home the following morning. <gasps> that is so 1700s for him to be like, please let me shake your hand. Please let me shake your hand, witch lady. The, they won't get the handshake and he's, you know, kind of butthurt about it. But he's like, OK, fine. We'll have many intellectual conversations. Right. And then the ghost is like, mm, you're I'm annoying. Gonna you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps seeing every time he's walking between his house and the bell house, he sees this long dagger above his head in the form of a shadow, just like hovering above his head. Scary. The bells began receiving a steady stream of visitors both day and night as word of the spirit traveled beyond the Red River community. There were horses tied to every fence post along the lane leading to the bell home, and the bells rarely had fewer than four overnight guests at any any given time so so now people are going to start thinking this is a hoax because it's making them famous exactly yes totally so i'm so glad you said that because so let's talk about some of the skepticism that is coming from these visitors right so it was suggested by some that the bells were staging the hauntings in an attempt to make money however it is important to note that the bells never charged visitors a cent and in fact always offered them food and free lodging if they stayed long enough so they were actually losing money by having people come over to experience 
experience the ghost. The economic conditions in the Red River area at the time, coupled with John Bell's documented financial condition, makes this notion highly unlikely. Another popular opinion among skeptics was that while in New Orleans during the War of 1812 and on later flatboat trips, John Jr. and Drury learned ventriloquism and the mystical arts and then transferred their knowledge to Betsy and a select few neighbors. A Dr. William Fort traveled all the way from Missouri to the Bell Farm in an attempt to prove this theory. Dr. Fort sat in the front room with the family one evening when the spirit began its nightly routine of gabbing, singing hymns, and physically abusing people. He placed his hands over the mouths of Betsy and several of the other Bell children as the spirit spoke. Not once did the spirit stop speaking or change its voice in any way. Fort concluded that the spirit's demonstrations were not the product of ventriloquism and left early the next morning without further comment. The spirit treated visitors differently depending on their character and intentions. People of good character were treated with respect, whereas those of questionable character were quickly exposed and ridiculed, often leaving quickly. The thing that seemed to frighten visitors the most was the spirit's propensity to divulge their deepest and darkest secrets, which usually embarrassed them. On one such occasion, four visitors who had traveled a great distance arrived late one night at the Bell home and were greeted by John Bell. As they began introducing themselves, the spirit called one of them by name and proclaimed, He is the grand rascal who stole his wife. He pulled her out of her father's house through a window and hurt her arm, making her cry. Then he whispered to her, Hush, honey, don't cry. It will soon get well. As the four dumbfounded men quickly proceeded to the door, one asked, Is what we just heard true? And the man who had been accused of stealing his wife replied, Yes, every single word of it is true. What? He stole his wife? Wait, did he know this person before? No, he just like broke into some guy's house, took his daughter, and just like bounced. <gasps> 1700s do- men are so terrifying. And then he's so just terrifying. like, yeah, that was true. Yeah, and he's then, like, yeah, I did that. And, and there's no consequences. Right. They're more excited that the ghost was right than yeah. he's a, you know, a rapist. Exactly. Eventually, the family asked the local reverend, Reverend Gunn, for help getting rid of the spirit. The reverend began a ritual similar to an exorcism, and during the process, he asked the spirit to identify herself. The spirit responded, I am a spirit who was once very happy, but have been disturbed and made unhappy. How are you disturbed, and what makes you unhappy? inquired Gunn. The spirit then provided what seemed to be the explanation everyone had been waiting for. Changing its voice from loud and angry to a soft, feeble tone, the spirit stated, I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby, and the grave has been disturbed. My bones disinterred and scattered, and one of my teeth was lost under this house, and I am here looking for that tooth. This incident has been long forgotten by everyone but me. John Jr. and Lucy Bell quickly recalled the incident referred to by the spirit. A few years earlier, the farmhands found several Indian graves in a small mound while clearing a plot of land near the Red River. Following John Bell's orders, the hands worked carefully around the mound so not to disturb it. Several days later, Corbin Hall, a friend of Drury's, stopped for a visit and Drury told him the news of the discovery. They discussed the possibility of there being valuable relics in the mound and decided to unearth a grave to see what they could find. They found nothing but the bones they had disturbed while searching for relics. They brought a jawbone back to the house as a souvenir, where Hall jokingly threw it against one of the walls next to the front porch. The impact of the jawbone hitting the wall jarred one of the teeth loose and it fell between the cracks of the porch. When John Bell walked through the passageway and saw what Drury and Corbin had done, he scolded them severely and had one of the slaves take the jawbone back to the mound and reseal the grave. Why not make your child take the jawbone back and reseal the grave? They're the ones that disturbed it. Yeah. 
After hearing the spirit's claim and recalling the incident with, with the jawbone several years earlier, John Jr. decided it would be best to search the ground underneath the porch for the missing tooth. Early the next morning, John Bell, John Jr., and Drury removed the porch section where the tooth had fallen. They sifted through the dirt for hours but found nothing. As they were putting the porch section back into place, a loud voice exclaimed with laughter, Ha! I just said that to fool you. It was all a joke, and the joke's on you, old Jack Bell. Wait, so that didn't really happen? So that did happen, but the spirit watched it happen and then lied and said, oh, that, those were my bones. I lost oh. my tooth, and that's why I'm here. So that means the spirit's been watching for a lot longer than okay, like, it's I know made I'm itself known. Okay, I not like the spirit, but the spirit's kind of like It's not being annoying. It's not, like, not coming out. It's doing what it said it would. It's not exactly. lying. Exactly. It's just there to fuck with them. Also, it's kind of turning funny at this point. Yeah. Like, it's just revealing that a man stole a woman. You know, like, it's like calling people out for the bullshit that they've done. This is a ghost that's just... This is a woman. Yeah. Like, hell is boring. Heaven is boring. I'm just gonna go fuck with people. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really blame whoever the spirit is. Unlike any other ghost story I've heard before or demon story i've heard before either everyone is experiencing this whether yes, you're a believer anyone. or not yes yeah. exactly which is so satisfying too yes. because how many stories have we heard where it's like oh this happened but then as soon as i brought somebody nobody saw anything so throwing his hands up and looking off into the distance reverend gunn angrily exclaimed i don't know i don't know what you are or why you are here ridiculing visitors and torturing john bell's family but one day soon we will all know the truth through the wind the, that blew through l the large pear trees came the voice of an old woman who said, I am the spirit of an elderly immigrant who brought a large sum of money and buried my treasure for safekeeping until needed. This is a lie. <laughs> They're going to make people go search for this fake treasure. That is hilarious. In the meanwhile, I died without divulging the location, and I have returned for the purpose of making known the hiding place, and I want Betsy Bell to have the money. Where is the money buried? asked Reverend Gunn. The spirit replied, I shall not tell anyone until certain conditions are met. Drury Bell and Alex Porter must agree to do the digging, and old Sugarmouth must go along to improvise and take charge of the money for Betsy. After giving the proposition some thought, Reverend Gunn approached Drury Bell, Alex Porter, and James Johnston to inform them of the spirit's proposition. All agreed to the conditions, and the spirit agreed to describe the location of the buried money. The money is buried under a large, flat rock at the mouth of the spring that empties into the Red River on the southeast corner of the farm, the spirit advised. This spirit is so entertaining. <laughs> this is like, honestly, I want to be friends with this spirit. I know. Yeah. Early the next morning, the three men proceeded to the spring and easily found everything the spirit had described. The money was there? Well, they found the markers that the spirit had described. Oh. They spent several hours digging around the enormous rock so they could slide poles underneath it and move it out of the way. After lots of hard work and continuing encouragement from James Johnston, John Bell, and Porter, they finally managed to move the large rock to its side. Much to their chagrin, they found nothing underneath but dirt. <laughs> After taking a much-needed break and discussing what the next step would be, they began digging a hole where the rock had been, assuming the money might have been buried several feet below the ground. Drury Bell sifted through the dirt as Alex Porter dug. The hole had become almost six feet deep by the end of the day, and no money had been found. Returning back to the house, the spirit laughed all night long about how the men had been fooled into digging a deep hole. The next night, a family friend came to stay. He was awoken in the middle of the night when he felt someone getting into his bed. Oh, God, that's so scary. He turned to look and saw the form of a human wrapped in a bed sheet. <gasps> 
When he grabbed the form, thinking that he'd finally caught the witch, the form suddenly turned into a large snake, emitting a strong foul odor and then disintegrated. That is so terrifying. Yes. The way that it's described in one of the sources is... It's like a giant, like a human-sized snake. Like he grabs it and it feels scaly and like heavy. So you keep saying witch. Do they believe that this is a a, a person somewhere that's like a a witch that's transforming and I don't know, just like playing tricks on them? Or do they believe this is actually a ghost? So they think that it is the spirit of a witch named Kate. Why they chose the name Kate, I don't know, because the spirit never says its name is Who's Kate. Who's like astral projecting and like yes. making stuff happen. So Or who it, died on the land oh. and is like haunting. But the part that's kind of fucked up is that there's a neighbor down the street whose name is Kate. And she lives alone. She's kind of eccentric. And so, so they think it's her. So they think that it's either her or someone tied to her, even though there's no evidence. And so she's just like miserable. Like everyone yeah. thinks that she has something to do with this haunting. Luckily, they don't kill her or anything. But she's just like, I I didn't do anything. I'm not haunted. I'm just a single woman. Yeah. Like not doing anything weird, you guys, except being single <laughs> and not getting married at age 12. They need to go in that sinkhole. There's something over there. They need to do a lot of shit. <laughs> and so several accounts say that during his military career, Andrew Jackson was intrigued with the story and his men were frightened away after traveling to investigate. In an independent oral tradition recorded in the vicinity of Panola County, Mississippi, the witch was the ghost of an unpleasant overseer John Bell murdered in North Carolina. In this tradition, the spirit falls in love with the central character, Mary, leading to her death. This account is reminiscent of vampire lore. The supernatural powers attributed to the Tennessee spirit have also been compared to that of jinn in mythology, which is some, like, mythical being. In the manuscript attributed to Richard Williams Bell, so this is like the grandson writes the story about this, he wrote that the spirit remained a mystery. Whether it was witchery, such as afflicted people in past centuries, and the darker ages, whether some gifted fiend of hellish nature, practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment, or some more modern science akin to that of mesmerism, or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country, or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven, or an evil spirit like those Paul drove out of the man into the swine, setting them mad, or a demon let loose from hell, I am unable to decide, nor has anyone yet divined, its nature or cause for appearing, and I trust this description of the monster in all forms and shapes, and of many tongues will lead experts who may come with a wiser generation to a correct conclusion and satisfactory explanation. This is a quote from William Bell's An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. John Bell died on the 20th of December, 1820. After his death, the witch was no longer reported as attacking Bell's family. Bell and his wife, Lucy, are buried in the Bell family cemetery on the plot of land. The Bell Witch is said to have disrupted John Bell's funeral service, singing body drinking songs and laughing. Seven years after John's death, the spirit reappeared and for seven weeks resumed haunting. After two weeks, the spirit left the Bell family for good. According to Lucy Bell, she always thought that the witch spirit had poisoned John to death. So that's the end of the Bell Witch. But there's more stuff to talk about. So you know how we talked about that sinkhole and that cave in the sinkhole? You can still go visit that sinkhole and that cave. Like people still to this day go out and tour the Bell Farm and they can you can go to the witch cave. There's tours that take you there. So the reason why they call it a witch cave is that allegedly when people were like looking into this 
whole haunting situation. They went into that cave and they found the bones of a female, but apparently it wasn't a Native American burial ground in that area, like the other ones that they had found, that it was just a single female skeleton. So do you think the witch was living in that cave and making this stuff happen while they were on the farm? Maybe. Here's what I'm wondering, right? Okay, we see this old woman. We see then like the young woman version of that old woman. Then we see the child version of that old woman. And now we have this woman skeleton inside of this area that they're using to store food. It seems like that would all be the same woman, right? Just like in different phases of life. And couldn't all of these weird animals be familiars of that witch? So you know what a skinwalker is, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a type of witch that can turn itself into many different forms. Some of those forms are animals. And a lot of times it'll be a hybrid animal. There's a famous story of someone seeing a dog that had human breasts and it was a skinwalker. And bullets go around the skinwalker. They can take on someone else's form. They can like look at someone you know and become them. The way that this, I mean, look, I'm not an expert on ghosts, but I kind of compared to everyone I know. Yeah. amount of power that this demon or this spirit has being able to not only have apparitions but also have a disembodied voice communicate with anybody is intelligent is kind of all-knowing take on the form of a big snake right haunts during the day haunts during the night is throwing furniture around is pinching and causing screaming and all this kind of stuff i don't know i feel like ghosts are not that powerful right right yeah so that's why i think that maybe maybe a demon Maybe it was the witch living in the cave the whole time. Yeah. And when those kids got close to it, she projected that image to scare them away or something. And maybe she like kind of imprinted on them when they walked by her or something. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're a witch lady that's like eating children or whatever and (laughs) living in a cave and it's this vacant farm for like many, many years and then a family comes there with eight slaves and like six kids or whatever it is and sets up shop and is doing stuff all the time. You're going to be super, super annoyed with it, but you're also going to be like so entertained. Like, yeah. Finally- and especially because the land that they bought was just was all a lot of it was all woods. Yeah. And then they cleared off a lot of it. And so that's kind of also revealing maybe oh. where she's been. You wouldn't have been able to find the cave. Exactly. So something also from a skeptic perspective perspective that people have proposed regarding the story so betsy seems to be taking the brunt of like the anger right like so there she was engaged to this guy joshua Uh she was super pumped wanted to marry him there was a school teacher who taught her again more pedophilic men who had a crush on her but he couldn't do anything about it because she was engaged so some people think that he he forced them to break off their engagement because they did because she was never able to see him because of all these welts and stuff so maybe he was hiding in the walls or he was coming out at night and doing weird things to people but how is he setting the bed on fire yeah that's how is he you know turning into a snake i totally agree with you the end of that skeptic theory is he actually ended up being the one to marry her. Once the Bell Witch stops haunting or whatever and her dad dies and then the hauntings stop, Joshua's already married because like, you know, that's just what they did in the time they got married super young. So she marries the teacher, the school teacher. And so everyone's like, well, clearly this was orchestrated by him because everybody knew that he had a crush on her. But then how did he know stuff about people? You know, he said that he stole the wife. Or was that just like a shot in the In the dark and it worked? Maybe that's a common thing back then. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of this stuff, it doesn't explain the whole thing. And so then some people say, well, maybe it was the school teacher combined with mass hysteria. Or maybe it was the school teacher combined with people 
playing pranks and mass hysteria, people believing what they wanted to believe. But then the other thing that happened is John Bell gets excommunicated by the church throughout this whole thing. Right, right before he dies, the church suddenly turns on him and is like, you are evil. You are haunted. After that whole speech they gave about how we're not yeah. going to turn our backs on you, they turn their backs on him. And Aww. then he dies. He's supposedly has a seizure while he's laying on the ground. And his wife, Lucy, thinks that she saw a witch covering his mouth, like a like a ghostly hand covering it. And so she's like, the witch poisoned my husband, oh. like gave him a seizure. Yeah, I mean, a seizure as a mode of death when you've never had a history of like seizing before seems. Right. But then some people say, well, you know how he couldn't swallow and he was having all those problems with his tongue. Yeah. Maybe it was a neurological condition. And so maybe then the seizure makes sense or maybe it was a stroke. It's so weird too how the witch stopped haunting for seven years and then just came back. Yeah, and then came back for two weeks and then disappeared completely i mean that's like a ghosting situation yeah yeah (laughs) you know what i got better things to do for these seven years she found a new family somewhere else played all the same tricks on him yeah had him go dig up the rock (laughs) all this stuff and then it's like Huh. Well, I wonder what well, that other family's doing. I do miss them. Yeah. But I, I also... miss the way Betsy oh. would cry when I made her ears bleed. Bleed. Oh, that was so lovely when I set her bed on fire and turned into a snake woman. Hmm, she's probably a teenager now. I wonder what... Well, then how funny is it that during John Bell's funeral, she's like singing drinking songs right. and like laughing. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck is the motive for this witch? She just said, like, I just want you to go crazy. What was that article or the story you were saying about him maybe having killed, like, someone who was angry with him? Okay, so there's an unconfirmed rumor. A lot of the stuff from, like, 1700s, 1800s, it's so hard to know what's a fact and what's not a fact, right? (laughs) Like, unless it's written down in a book, if it's just oral tradition, then it's like, well, I don't know, like, if this is real or not. But some people say that before they moved, he had, like, a tenant and he got really mad at the tenant and murdered him and then like that's why they moved in the dead of winter but it's hearsay well that makes sense kind of yeah like to just move I mean, suddenly that's not necessarily a skeptic thing either it's like oh you murdered someone and now they're haunting you you know like yeah that kinda, like makes sense right yeah it could yeah but it, it was a dude that was murdered oh, so which is a girl yeah This other thing of mesmerism, have you ever heard of that before? So mesmerism is also called animal magnetism, and it's the name given by German doctor Franz Mesmer in the 18th century to what he believed to be an invisible natural force possessed by all living things, including humans, animals, and vegetables. He believed that the force could have physical effects, including healing, and he tried persistently but without success to achieve scientific recognition of his ideas. The vitalist theory attracted numerous followers in Europe and the United States and was popular in the 19th century. Practitioners were often known as magnetizers. It was an important specialty in medicine for about 75 years from its beginning in 1779 and continued to have some influence for another 50 years. Hundreds of books were written on the subject, but it is almost entirely forgotten today. Mesmerism is still practiced as a form of alternative medicine in some countries, but magnetic practices are not recognized as part of medical science. So what would that, that would be like, oh, you eat the heart of a snake and now you have like the snake's powers? I think so. It's like... Because that sounds very similar to some of the things that I encountered when I was in Indonesia. Oh, really? I mean, there are a lot of cultures where it's like, if you 
eat the worm or whatever, or you eat the cow's balls, you will be virile or right, something, exactly. right? Like you're yeah. increasing your fertility. There was specifically a story that I know to be true because someone told me this about their uncle. And they said their uncle in Thailand, they were like cutting down a forest, farmland stuff, right? And they found an abandoned baby tiger. Imagine, you know, the ti- when I say tiger, you're thinking of that striped thing like that. Yeah, okay. So they find a baby, one of those. And those are so cute. You know, it's beautiful. And the uncle goes, okay, bring it to me. I'm going to eat its heart. So now I can be strong. Like what? The, like a baby, baby tiger. tiger. Yeah, so that's what he did. He ate the baby tiger's oh, heart. Oh, that makes me so sad. That's sad. But also, did it work? Did he become strong and virile? I, I, and... Didn't, I didn't hear the rest of the story, but I wonder if that's what it's like. Some people think that that's what it was, but I don't understand that. Well, this so this guy that wrote the book... An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch is the grandson of John Bell. His name is William Bell. He thinks that this could be a scientific explanation for what they saw. He's saying, oh, well, this this new age science we're practicing called mesmerism or whatever. It's simply that they were eating these foods from the farm that were giving them these hallucinations and whatever. Yeah. And so then that's why when people would come and stay at the house, they'd also eat this food and hear and see these things. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Even if you were... A lot of people say the Salem witch trials, too, were like, you know, it was like LSD that was on this rotten wheat or whatever. If they're trying to say that everyone was hallucinating this stuff, too, look, you don't hear and see the exact same thing that everyone else is around you. Good point. And if, you know, this witch is saying, hey, this guy stole his wife, like... The rest of the people around you wouldn't hear that. Right. Yeah. It's hard to account for, like, how did all these people experience the exact same thing at the exact same time? Right. Like, unless it's, we believe that it's a prankster hiding in the walls. But that explains the knocking. It doesn't explain furniture flying around. Chairs were flying around. And then the other thing is, you know how they were saying, well, maybe it's ventriloquism. Like, these two sons learned the art of ventriloquism in New Orleans. And Look, I've seen so m- I've seen <laughs> famous ventriloquists who are the best in the world that are getting paid to do this. And you can still tell it's them speaking. Right. Also, you would be able to hear that the voice was coming from them where they're saying that the voice was coming from in the walls and then it's following them around whispering around so you can actually go to this cave i don't know if the house is still there but you can a hundred percent go to the witch cave does anyone who goes there now get haunted I don't know. That's a good question. I Maybe we should go there and we should find out because I haven't really found too much on this story, which is weird because... Because the pagan police officers... Yeah, they're like, this is bad for our uh, our pagan culture. We don't want people to think that we just play cruel pranks on people. Or they don't want people to know their power because then they're going to start fighting it, right? 100%. So if, if Satan or if the demons, if we believe this ex-pagan for Christ story from the previous yeah, episode... Which we do. She said says in that that the only thing that can truly stop the devil is a true believer in god so if people were to find out oh actually the devil is afoot here then we know what to do and maybe that's also why they excommunicated john bell is because from the church is because they're like well if you were really a man of god this wouldn't be happening to you spirit says oh sugar mouth like you're a sweet mouth yeah to me when you call someone a you know sweet talker sugar mouth that means they're not being 100 percent honest they're like spinning things to seem better right than they are. or like are you saying something crude about the way he looks too because that's not very godly either why would any self-respecting woman 
be sexually attracted to a man. Right. Yeah. Women can't have attraction. Yeah. So my sources for this episode are Wikipedia, An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch by Pat Fitzhugh, which I quoted a lot from his book in this story. And then also the manuscript attributed to Richard Williams Bell and Stuff You Missed in History Class, which is this podcast I found that they do like really short, like 20, 30 minute episodes on mm. different things. And it's it's really interesting. You know, that's so funny that it's called that because as you were saying the sources, I was thinking, why th- why weren't we taught this stuff in school? Like, Yes, I would pay happened. attention all the time. Yeah. But so what are your final thoughts on the the witch, the bell witch? With Based off of the knowledge that I have of paranormal things, I think that this was a skinwalker because it's also I think that a Native makes a lot American of sense. witch. If that's what it's from, it's Native American folklore. So if you're saying there was Native American burial grounds on this property, that tells me that there must have been indigenous tribes in the area. Yes. And because of the power of the witch, I think that this was a witch that was still alive and it was a skinwalker. Oh, so you don't think she's even dead? I don't think she's dead. Oh, that's so interesting. That didn't even occur to me. No, and I think if they found the skeleton in the cave, it was because she died of old age or whatever in that cave. Or maybe she didn't have any more people to haunt, so she died. I think think you need to do a whole episode on skinwalkers at some point. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me because there's no other case in history of witches being able to be this powerful it is a lot of power it's like it seems like it's every single kind of ghost rolled into one right it's like it's a poltergeist Mm because it's mischievous it's uh, a disembodied you know knocking or whatever it's like it's but it's also sentient it's like all these different kinds of ghosts and it shook its hand I know there's so much going on in this honestly there's so much more that I didn't even have time to cover like we could talk about this for four hours and nobody would listen that's (sighs) why it's almost hard to listen to it because the you know the average ghost story has like one or two things that happen i think my favorite part of this story is probably the the three stages of the of the woman's life the little girl on the Mm -hmm. swing the young woman swinging from a noose Mm -hmm. and the old woman i think that the witch was projecting whatever she thought would get these people's interest and the little girl says she sees the little girl swinging oh good point And if you know anything about astral projection and you travel outside of your body and go places, you don't have a face. I didn't know that. Yeah, but it doesn't explain why the face that was hung had the tears coming out of it. Well, maybe she wasn't astral projecting. Maybe that was just really her. Yeah, maybe she wasn't dead. Yeah, maybe she was just up there. Oh, it's so creepy. So fucking creepy. And yeah, so I mean, a lot of people say none of this is true. It's all oral traditions. You can't believe any of it. I'm sure it got embellished along the way. But but there's a book written about this account. And there's all these people that were living in the area that were witnesses at the time. And we're not a skeptic podcast. I believe it. I mean, just the fact that there were so many witnesses that all went on the record saying, yes, I experienced this. Like, I know the power of suggestion is very powerful. But come on. Yeah. If you've got a hundred people telling you something happened, it probably happened. At the very least, this house is fucking cursed. Yeah. At the very least, this family is fucking haunted. Yeah. That was a great story. Thank you. I think they need to make this into a movie. I don't think it would make a good 
a horror movie because too much stuff happens right? yeah like average horror movie it's like the first hour into it is just you know we're learning about the wife and her husband are fighting and their right. kids are going to school and they're not getting good grades or whatever and then it's like the very end you maybe see like some haunted figure in a mirror most of the time it's like the absence of what you see that makes something scary this is like a sitcom yeah this, this is, is like the new sabrina the teenage witch oh this is someone literally shaking hands with a, <laughs> with a ghost witch yeah. I love how uh, that one guy wanted to shake hands with the witch and he wouldn't let him. I know, and he's on his knees begging, like, please let me shake yeah. your hand. Also, it was a soft, delicate hand, so, which yeah. makes me think of, like, a young woman. I want to be a witch then, kind of. Like, maybe I shouldn't put that out into the universe, but I would like to stay young. Man, be I put you witch might... hazel on my face this morning, so. <laughs> be careful. You might be sleeping tonight and have something whisper in your ear that's like, I know. Oh my god, no. I sleep alone. I don't want that. No, I'm going to be thinking about that all night. Just the thought of it is scary. Imagine being these people. You're getting, like, bitch slapped all night. Straight up bitch slapped, though. Um, all right. right, That was a great story. Thank you. Yeah. What are you going to do for your sign-off? BRB, gotta go pretend to be a ghost so I can get people to hunt for treasure. I I will not stop haunting you until you find treasure. (laughs) Treasure. (laughs) Until you give me a million doubloons. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.